For our text today, we use the last verse that Brother Wilson read in the Scripture lesson, 26th verse of Luke 5. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. The world looks for the novel, the new, the exciting. And if it is to be exciting, it must be new for the most part. Most of the things that we've seen a time or two are old hat after a while. The things we've already tried, we don't care to try again necessarily. To be novel, it would have to be new or we'd be accustomed to it ahead of time and it would be something that would be usual. But these people that day said, we have seen strange things today. The word strange to us has different meanings. You can say of someone, they act a little strange. We have to know what you refer to. If it's someone you know well, and they know well, and you said that, you might be inferring that they are acting differently enough to be classified heading for a nervous breakdown. Or if you said, that's a strange fellow. It might be that you mean, I don't understand him very well. I can't get the real point of what he drives at. And he is, to me, he is, he is strange. But even though the variations of the word might change from generation to generation or from circumstance to circumstance, we can gather from this scripture what these people meant, what they referred to. They referred to this man being healed that had been brought to this place by four of his friends. In Mark, Mark's account of the same happening says he was born of four, brought on some kind of couch, referred here, some kind of a stretcher or couch or some kind of a vehicle to carry him. And four of them brought him. They came to the place and they found the building so full, the multitude so great that they didn't have room to come in by the door. That's kind of a strange thing at a church meeting too, isn't it? Most of the time there's room to get in and enough room to spare. But Jesus was there and a multitude came. But what about the multitude? How about those who only come? How about those who are only there? We don't know. Who were they? Where they came from? Why were they so curious? What did they learn? The story is not about the crowd. The story is about the one, the man who was palsied. He couldn't even help himself. He was in bed. And his friends brought him, and because the crowd was so great, they couldn't come by the natural opening. They went on the roof and tore the tile of the building open, opened up the tiling, and let him down in the midst there in front of Jesus. This was an unusual thing. Just before this, some Pharisees and doctors of the law had conversed with the Lord, and he had spoken to them the words of life. And the last verse of the, that account says, And the power of God was present to heal them. That's a strange thing. That's unusual. For a great group of people, or a small group of people, to be gathered together, and the power of God was present to heal them. 
We know what it means to come into a meeting such as this and be aware of the presence of God and to feel the Spirit of God. We are aware of feeling it at, at sometimes more clearly and more surely than other times. That's a strange thing. That's a, something hard to understand. But we learn as we go along that God only comes where He's invited. His Spirit is present to work and to enlighten, to strengthen, guide, where people are in tune with the provision God makes and has made through His Son, Jesus Christ. So the power of God being present to heal them. The man being let down through the roof was a strange happening, unusual. So it could be said that they truly had reason to think things are different today. More than that, when they let this man down through that roof, Jesus looked at him and said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's different. And the Pharisees saw this, and the other gospel account says that they were enraged about this and wondered, what, what is this? How could a man dare say, your sins are forgiven? A different happening. No wonder they would say, we have seen strange things today. The man says, your sins are forgiven. When they begin to think, before they even said the words, Jesus perceived their thoughts that they thought that. He perceived their thoughts that they were wondering why he would say, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Then he said, That you might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto the sick of the palsy, Arise. He said that, and the man arose from his bed, picked up the bed, and left carrying the bed. By the front door, I would suppose. I think the crowd separated. I believe when God comes to a place to move and to work, that men can act or react. They can come or go. They can get closer or they can put some distance between them and God by going farther and farther away. But whatever we do, it is something wonderful when we are aware of the fact that God is present with us. Amen. He read their thoughts as they looked on the man and listened to his, spe his speaking those words. He read their thoughts, but the crippled man was healed of his palsy and left with a victory. Yes, they had seen strange things that day, all right. In the day of Jesus, throughout his ministry, in the accounts we have of his life on earth, there were things that we might think about for a moment as being strange or different. The maker of men, the creator of the universe, walking among men, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who was with God at the creation, when God said, let us make man in our image, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was present there, the Holy Spirit was there, God was there, so, but now we come to a strange happening. We come to something new and novel. God, in the form of a man, walks among men. 
Had they seen strange things that day? Yea, verily, they had been in the presence of God who had authority and power to forgive sins. So it was true enough that that was a strange thing, all right. The infinite among the lowly, even the infinite became an infant. God became a baby. God in Bethlehem, God in a manger at Bethlehem had preceded this, and now he's a man. When they come into his presence, of course they feel something different. Consider the Lord of glory serving all mankind. Imagine God becoming a servant. Strange thing. Novel. Hard to understand. And when we can grasp these things, they aren't only something intellectually strange or new, but they are exciting because you can see a pattern. God doing these things for a purpose. Why? Why did Jesus come? The just one, the sinless one, to die a death condemned of sinners. The sinners condemn the just one to die for all sinners of all time, including theirs. They thought they had power over him to say, crucify him, crucify him. But consider the just dying for the guilty, dying a sacrificial death, giving himself willingly after having prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Later on this happened, of course. He prayed these prayers and said, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, he said. So consider the just man dying for the sinner, being sacrificed on a cross, but the third day arising from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. In the times of Jesus, there certainly were some novel things, new things, exciting things. No wonder people would say, we've been in the presence of something strange, something different. Yes, sure enough. Just think of death being defeated and Jesus dying. Think of that for a moment. How could it be that death is destroyed? He becomes victor over death by dying. Strange thing. But in the time of Jesus, that was what happened. Jesus came and died to show us that he was, he was victor over death, Amen. over hell, over the grave. Yes. Strange things, strange things indeed. In those days so long ago, we see great things transpiring, wonderful things happening, and the people having right to ask the question, what is this? Wonder, real wonder at the works of God is a natural thing, justifiable and commendable. If people wonder in all, there's two kinds of people saying, this is strange. One would be, it is awesome, 
wonderful, beyond my comprehension, but in it I see God nonetheless. And in fact, the greater the awe and the wonder, the more sure I am that I see the works of God. That's commendable, explainable, natural, justifiable. Of course it is. But that one who asked the question with a doubt on his voice, unbelief, or rejection by saying, I can't understand it. It's strange to me. He implies by that that because I can't understand it, I reject it. Because I haven't seen it before, I won't believe it. That is, of course, a wonder that is set on fire of hell, and Satan is at the bottom of that to make us even doubt the existence of God. So be careful which type of wonder that you are using. It's uh, commendable to thank God for His creation, to look at the heavens, the stars, the moon, and the, and the earth, and all it is, and to look in that and in it see God. Another thing for one to say, it's too deep for me to comprehend, but for me to say that God did it, I can't believe that. Oh yes, we must look at what God has done and remember that He has done it, He has created it, and we stand in awe, of course. We talked about what happened in Christ's time. About that one happening that one day when they let that man down through the roof. We also covered, a general, in a general way, the great wonders and glories of His ministry and of His presence and His power and His miracles. He did raise the dead. He did heal the sick. He did comfort the dying. He did speak words of encouragement to those that needed it. He did call the unexpected people from their pursuits to follow Him. Yes, all of this is a wonderful thing. We look at it and say, how could it be He would call a lowly fisherman? How could it be He would call one from the tax collecting table? How could it be He would reach out here and bring that one and another one to bring the apostles together, the disciples to follow? into an entity, into a mission, into a purpose, into a missionary place to be able to spread the news of the gospel. It's a wonder. Yes, but let's come down to home now. Here we are this morning in Portland, Oregon, at the Apostolic Faith Church at Southeast 52nd and Duke, at a place that's very familiar to many of us and to many people in this part of Portland. But what have we seen? What have you heard? What has been your experience? Could you say in your own experience, and many of you could, I'm sure, I have seen wonderful things. Wonderful means filled with wonder. I have seen wonderful things. What do you mean? You have seen the sinner saved, given power as that man was given power that day, who was forgiven of his sins, picked up his bed and walked, Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. That was a long time ago. But you, under the sound of my voice here this morning, most of you, at least the majority of you, could say, I have seen the works of God. I have felt it. I have been present when it happened. I have known of people who were sinners, and some of the worst sort. Some are here this morning. I could start calling names from the, this audience and pointing out people that I know firsthand have had wonderful miracles of God's grace. They were a sinner, 
but they came in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and by an act of God's grace, God forgave them. They were in a state, a natural state, sinful state, but by the contact they had with a maker, with their maker, Jesus Christ the Lord, the same one who met that man that day. They have made that contact. They also have been forgiven. They may have experienced ridicule of people like this man did. They may have been scorned by some because they couldn't believe it. They couldn't understand it. And they'd say, oh, they've lost their mind. They've gone off on religion. They've been changed so much that they have a different attitude. They aren't even normal. No, they're not normal in the sense that to be normal would be go on blinded by Satan and bound by his wiles and by his bondage. They have been set free from that. Not normal worldlings, but now they are normal Christians. They are free in Christ. They have found freedom, a new life. Oh, what a story. Many people look back. Some would say, that's wonderful. Others would say, that's so strange, I can't believe it. But be careful which one you take. Yes, we've seen the sinners saved. We've seen the natural heart renewed by grace. We've heard them testify to having victory. That means they have had the power of God to live as God wants them to live. They've gone forth from that place of contact with God to say they've been made new in Christ. And they know the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And they have proved that and they've testified to it. You could write a long list of names, first and last names, of the miracles of God that you have you witnessed yourself and, and lived with. Yes, you've done this. You've seen evil turned to good by God Himself. You've seen people that had vile and evil intentions. You've seen their, their plans turned around and upset until God brought something good out of that. Amen. I knew a party one time in Klamath Falls, Oregon, where I lived at the time, who was inviting ch children to come to our Sunday school. In fact, she was very, very instrumental in getting numbers of them uh, from school where she taught into our, into our Sunday school. And because she was doing that, we'd send buses or cars out to pick them up on Sunday and bring them in. One man who had a big family and one man who needed God extremely, extremely. He uh, didn't like all of this, so he'd drink a few drinks and get all stirred up and be very angry at the very people who tried to do him good. His wife, his children, the church, anyone who was around was a victim of his vengeance and his anger when he was drinking. So he was so angry one day that he was going to shoot that woman with a shotgun. And he left his house to go to the school to shoot her in the classroom, drunk and was going to do it. And he was the kind of character who might have done it. But you know what he did? It was raining outside. He walked alone down that road and across a railroad track. He came to that railroad track and was stopped momentarily by something moving across, I believe. Anyway, in a few moments, the train had gone by or whatever distracted him. And then he didn't know where he was going. He sat down on the railroad track in a driving rain, forgot where he was going, and never did uh, do any more harm to her. You can say the train caused that if you want to. I would suppose that that's one of those things that I can look at and wonder how it is that God can talk to a drunken man with murder in his heart and cause him to, to forget where he's going and never have that purpose again, that can be proved, I'm sure, to be an act of God. Who else would do it? He wasn't such a nice man when he was sober, as far as really being righteous and holy was concerned. But God intervened. 
I have seen the wrath of God turned around. And I've seen it turned around to turn out to be to the praise of God. That God did that. You believe that? I know we all do. We've seen strength come out of weakness. Oh, how weak we are. How helpless we feel. Especially when conditions around us are beyond our control. When we have family problems, and anyone who has a family has some of them. Anyone who has family problems and, and problems in business or problems uh, on your own job or with your own employees or whatever your problems might be, many of those you can detect, they're out from under your control. If you take one certain action, you're sure it will cause more trouble uh, in the reaction. If you take the other, it'll be misunderstood and misread and it won't solve the problem. So you conclude there is no solution. I can't do a thing about it. It's out of my control. In those moments of weakness, you've seen God intervene and work for you in a way you couldn't believe it would have happened. These things, many people here can testify to, that in weakness, by becoming weak and helpless, we find the strength of God. Even those who come repenting of their sins, that's the route they take. That's the only route to take. As long as we're sufficient to the task, we don't surrender our lives to God. Which healthy, a strong and young person around who's just normal, who would, who would say, I can't do anything. I'm a helpless. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. They don't come to that point unless they have had circumstances, bring them around to a point where they view things as they ought to view them, and they see that there's a spiritual realm that they cannot control. And there are many things in the physical you can't control very well. But in the spiritual realm, you have to let God do it all. Unless you do, Satan takes control. That's how you explain those who really run away from God are, are in worse shape than those who never knew God. That's one reason you hear stories about the preacher's kids being worse than other people's kids. That's why people who backslide and go away from God after having had a real experience with God may be uh, vengeful and vehement and they may even hate the very church they once fellowship with without the church doing one thing to them. The reason is that they walk away from light and that light becomes darkness and how great is that darkness. So let's ask God now to help us remember. We have seen these miracles of grace and we thank God for them and we're not going to, to go on with our own stubborn will, and say, we can do it ourselves. No, we'll find victory as we become weak. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But notice now he said, through Christ. He became nothing. He counted everything he had had before as nothing. All his education, all his training, all his prestige, and he had all of that. He was high and mighty in the realms of the society and the church uh, and the synagogue in those days. He had all of that, but when he came to Jesus Christ, he just turned loose and gave it all up, counted that as dung, that he might win Christ. So he gave up all of that, turned loose of it. He became weak in himself, but then he said, through Christ he could do all things. There's the secret. Strength comes from weakness. We become weak in ourselves and give up and just yield. We gain God's help and God's strength. When we don't try to do it ourselves, we give God a chance to do it. As long as we try to do it ourselves, God doesn't uh, come on the scene. But when we ask God to work for us and to do it for us, 
then God moves in. No matter how weak we are, God can do anything, as we heard here on Friday night. Yes, we've seen this. We've seen the Holy Ghost in people that have been uh, uncertain and uh, unestablished or disestablished or weak, and they've had a hard time really believing, but we've seen God move upon the scene and help them as they prayed one day. They finally made that contact that helped them get that assurance that, yes, I know I'm right with God. The Holy Spirit finally witnessed to their spirits that they knew, that they know now all is well. They're justified by faith. They can believe God's promise and stand on that. And no matter how hard it was for them to try to believe, when they just gave up the trying to believe and just simply let God drop the faith in their heart, then they found that. Yes, they certainly did. They found that the Holy Spirit came to bear witness to their spirit. We've heard people testify to the sanctifying power of God, to the fact that they have prayed before God in consecration and in dedication, total surrender, and they've done, done their part in doing that, then they believe God's promise, and God, by an application of Jesus' blood, purges and cleanses and makes them holy. We've heard them testify and have seen the great change that took place in their life. Yes, this is all coming about in our day, not sometime a long time ago. In fact, we hear people testify that they've almost found a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. They, they draw a comparison about how, how the old life was unfruitful, frustrating, filled with doubts and fears and condemnation. Then they come into the light of the gospel. They find freedom, satisfaction, direction, love, mercy, all they didn't have before. They found the hatred. They found the fighting. They found the quarrels, the rejection, all of the scorning, all of that in the world. And it's there every day. But in the gospel, they found acceptance. They came to yield to God, and God accepted them. They were, were misunderstood by other people. But when they came to Jesus, He understands. He knows your heartbreak. He knows your care. He knows the load you carry. That's uh, not only something we theorize about, we have a multitude of people here this morning could all tell you they have proved all of that. When they couldn't do it themselves, they let God do it. And so what do they say now? I'm just like I have a little foretaste of heaven. They testify to the fact after they were really converted, they felt like their feet didn't touch the floor. Some say the, the birds were singing more sweetly. The bird sings the same. They looked at the sunshine. It meant so much more to them then. They had a, a, an attitude about life that was altogether different, new, wonderful, novel, all right, exciting. And among those things that the people say, we have seen strange things today. Yes, we have, all right. But the life of a Christian is not one that is stale. Now, Satan tries to put one over on you and make you think that if I truly become a Christian, and especially if I devote my life to God unreservedly, if I just take the plunge and say, I'm just going all the way. If you do that, you'll never have another good time in your whole life. That's what Satan says. But if you'll ask those who have taken that plunge and have done that themselves, you'll find them testifying to the man. And they all say the same story. There's nothing like it in all the world. In Jesus Christ, they find all they need. They find fullness of joy. They find the peace that Jesus gives. They find the love of, um, of God's people. They find the love of God showering their soul, and they feel the glory of the Lord. Oh, what a, what a time this was. I heard an account one time of a Scottish minister who went to see a, a woman who was 
at the point of death. She was almost at the very door of death. And she had been an, an unbeliever. She had not been known for her piety. But nevertheless, she was concerned at that end of the way about her soul. So they sent for the Scottish minister to come. He went there to talk to her. And even though she was very ignorant, didn't seem to grasp much about the plan of God's salvation, she had a smattering of knowledge so the old Scottish minister could get to her on that. And he explained to her about God's love, Jesus dying for her, and that she could re just repent now and believe the gospel. And God would have mercy upon her in this hour, hour and article of death. At the very end, she knew she was dying. So she listened to that for a little while, and she grasped it and believed it and prayed. And through her uh, muttering prayers on her dying bed, she experienced the grace of God was saved and died before the preacher left the bedside. The old Scottish minister said, I went in that room that day. I saw this woman in, the, in a natural state. I saw her just in a natural state. In a few moments, I saw her in a state of grace. Shortly, I saw her go into a state of glory. From a natural state to a state of grace, being forgiven by the free grace of God, then being justified, having the smile of heaven, and then being called by God from that deathbed scene. That was one who made it. But there are so many that go through their life and come up to the hour of death and don't have the grit or the determination or even the light to turn, perhaps. They may have scorned God's mercy so long, don't have the inclination. But today, why don't you let the Lord take all that away? This morning, why don't you come to Him who gives liberty? Will you come this morning? Will you pray with us? We invite you to... Come to the altar.